Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Today we have Jason Hiddle, Jim Parkin, and I'm Ashley Chandler, and we're back. So yeah, first episode is up and is out, and it was a bloody shambles, man. I was so excited that I forgot to introduce anybody. (laughs) Fortunately, Ashley was here to introduce Pastor Jim. Well, to be fair, though, with all of our, how we were doing before. But who means anything anymore? Right? It's fine. (laughs) It's all good. It'll be, this one's, this is, we're good. But it's cool, because now we've got, um, we've, we just got a lot more of the structure going on and stuff, a little bit more organized, and so I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, it'll be good. All right. So today, episode two. So when we had our our meeting, I had a meeting with Pastor Carl Jones and his wife, Faye, and Dina, our director of all things here at Freedom Center Church, when we were talking about the Lighthouse Experiment coming under the church. And when we got done, she asked if we could do an episode sometime on what to do when you roll up or you drive up on an emergency or witness one or anything like that. So today, I thought we'd do the episode, and this one is this one's for Dina. <laughs> what to do when you come up on an emergency? Uh, right. You take lots of pictures with your iPhone and call all your friends, right? Mm. No, no, no. Post it to Facebook. We'll drive Which them. way do you pull over? Right. That's so, the first one. What is the law? The actual law of what we're supposed to do. <coughs> so, if you're on the highway and there's emergency vehicles and stuff in the like the median, like the the ditch mm-hmm. in the middle then you're supposed to move over to the right right side and pass. Now, are you supposed to slow down? You should Should slow down. You should slow down. So there's automatically... possible. Okay. If you... So if there's an... You're saying there's an active emergency on the expressway already. Correct. You're driving to that. In the state of Michigan, you're required to give them a lane. Okay. Or if an officer has someone pulled over. Or if there's just a tow truck picking up a, like, towing somebody or putting them on their flatbed you're supposed to give a lane you can actually be cited and ticketed i now. believe yes, now you can. yes it's 450 dollars folks Ooh. 450 shimoleons for not giving up all you got to do is move over a lane but there's been a lot of officers who have been killed right yes because people have not Getting been paying hit. attention and gotten hit mm-hmm. so yeah. and there's something at nighttime that just draws you to lights and flashing oh, lights yeah. oh it's flashing bullseye <laughs> it's true story mm-hmm. yeah okay so yeah so if your uh, emergency vehicle is approaching from behind you and again you pull over to the right okay yep or if you can't just stop because sometimes obviously it's rush hour traffic you know rush hour you know peak traffic in downtown fenton there might not be anywhere for you to pull over to they'll figure it out just stay still and i turn my hazards on if i'm in my personal vehicle same see, here. I do that also. Because it draws more attention. If somebody goes, wait, what? The, and and it, it distracts, or distracts is the wrong word. It Anybody who's behind you, especially, or, or around you is like, hey. Yeah. Well, this is abnormal, and it starts making people more aware, and, and it, it invites everybody else to follow what you're doing. Especially if you're seeing and hearing the sirens before the guy behind right. you. And I... I'm always feeling like it helps me not get rear-ended because I'm slowing down and moving over. So Right. And don't stop in front of an emergency vehicle that's coming up behind you. That's my favorite. So You're, the moving over part. Oh, yeah. The moving, <laughs> it's moving critical. over is key. 
someone we're we're in route to an emergency and some people will just hit their brakes and stop right where they're at so they're halfway there the problem is they're in our you know we're driving for an ambulance or a fire truck you're driving a vehicle that weighs well over 10,000 pounds and somebody driving a you know tiny little compact car slams on their brakes they're about to become a hood ornament yeah aches right okay um that's pretty straightforward. I think most people oh, yeah. know that. I think it's when you see an accident and everybody's well, like, they're it, gawking you know, and it really It is easy to panic, down. though. Yeah. You know, it's easy to, oh, my gosh, this just happened in front of me. Or I didn't hear because we make all our cars super soundproof, so you don't hear any road noise. So all of a sudden, that officer or the ambulance or whoever, the fire truck is right behind me. Yeah. I think, no, if you're asking the question, how should people act when they're physically present, at an emergency scene not that's different so yeah it's a very different set of behavior you've, you've had to call an ambulance for a family member or call the fire department or so now run through that present. though if, okay. if you see so if you're at a light and you witness a crash in the intersection okay so if, if you're at well first off you need to be ready that they're you're going to call 911 and they're going to ask your what what's your emergency you know, and when you get into that, as much detail as you can give. Oh, they're going to ask questions like your name, your phone number. Right. So they have a way to contact you if the line's right. broken, where you're at, the nature of the emergency, questions to figure out what resources they need to send. And it can take a while. So it's if you get on and start screaming, this is what I need, this is what I need, it actually slows things down. So it's better to let them lead you through the process. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I don't do that, but I know exactly what they're going to ask, so I just, I just give it to them, and and it's fine. Um, okay. But they kind of. But we have a bit of an existing relationship. Right, but so. for the layperson who doesn't know, the right. the best thing is they'll lead you through what they need and okay. just answer everything you can tell them. If someone else is called, they're just going to say yes. We have that. <laughs> okay. I want to report an accident at whatever intersection. They'll say, okay, thank you. Yeah, we have that. Okay, that's helpful to know. Now, non, so like now let's say you're, we're at Walmart or the steak place or whatever and you witness something or someone in your party begins choking or has some type of medical emergency. It's going to be the same thing. You'll call 911 and they'll guide you through the steps. But it's important to just calmly give them everything that you can because the more you can tell them the more they can tell us and the better we're prepared okay and that goes for every discipline for first responder but gathering information just gathering information speaking, is huge you know if, if it's a if it's a medical emergency the responders are going to need right the person's medical history their medications allergies uh, 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 accurate description of what occurred like why are why is the medical first responder there? Are they there because of, um, you know, the person suddenly had chest pain? Or right. do they have a long, extensive medical history? And, you know, a physician is saying, hey, call an ambulance and come to the hospital. If it's a fire, why did you call the fire department? Where's the fire located? What color is the smoke? What are you seeing? I mean, unless it's obvious because there's flames everywhere and smoke. Yeah. You probably don't have to explain that. Right. Um you know, police, there are a variety of reasons the police get summoned. So you're going to have to be ready to provide a statement and information right. to them. And if you're a witness, the police could definitely use, like if you've witnessed an accident or right. you've witnessed a crime, 
or um, anything of that nature. Um, and if you want to help um, and be helpful, I mean, at, at the initial onset, the best thing is just to stay out of our way. Right. Um, and that's a big one, too. We had, I was just at a conference this week, and part of it, they were talking about security, and there was a, a Michigan State trooper giving that presentation. And so for the layperson, contrary to popular belief or whatever you thought you've always known, once we arrive, we're in charge. Once first responders of whatever discipline get there, you've called us for a reason, and we're now in charge. And it's, you know, and that's something in my experience that I've found mostly, honestly, like at schools and churches. Mm-hmm. The principal still wants to be in charge. Not anymore. Whoever's in charge of. Yeah. I mean, and there's obviously, there's a way we can do that and be gracious to the best of our ability, but we have to be allowed to be in charge. Yeah. A a system has been ignited and right. set into place. So now, because there's an emergency, now this, now the new set of protocol is running. Right. And to be able to accurately and effectively do what you need to do to make sure everybody's safe and taken care of, mm-hmm. you are now, I mean, there's the necessity of needing that authority right. to be able to do what you need to do. Usually if, if you want to help and you see a, a catastrophe and you're just ask who's there, this is, you know, what can I do to help? And most people will give instructions. They'll, they'll, they'll tell that's you. That's exactly a big one too. Need. So that's a, that's another, that's a good segue. Because so if some, let's say something's happened at your house, Ashley, and you've called 911 and you've gone through all these steps and you've explained everything. Now, I'm going to come through your door and I'm going to ask you those same questions. And while it may be frustrating, it's because I only have a little fractions of what you said. They're trying, our dispatchers and call takers are trying to disseminate that information, but it doesn't always come through clearly. And just to the nature of how I do my job, I'm going to start asking the same exact things that you already went through. So for a lot of times, for a lot of people in that moment, it's frustrating. And they're, mm-hmm. and they're, they're like, why are you asking me the same thing? Well, you should assume that I have no idea. And I was just sent here. I know generally that someone is injured in this way or, you know, or X, Y, Z. Yeah. But I'm going to start asking the same questions. And Especially it's just the if, depending on the issue and the situation, you want them to just hurry up and help, hurry up and help. Right. But I mean, even just from the three ride alongs that I've been on with you guys, so often the information that was given to us from dispatch was not entirely the it was not the picture or, that was or given. Not even close. It's not very even rarely completely accurate for a variety of reasons. And it is yeah, it's not saying that yeah. dispatch wasn't doing a good job of getting information but what they are given, the amount of information that they're given is only as good as what they can give you right. is what they're given, right? Right. So it, it is a little bit of phone tag. And in fairness, people, when they're calling 911, they're scared. Oh, yeah, and they're just they're, blurting they're stuff out. freaking out and just yelling and screaming and mm-hmm. hurry up and hurry up. Yeah, they're, and they're scared. Mm-hmm. So last last section of this topic, um, again, this is another resource, just more info I pulled from this conference. But, okay, we're going to talk about if there was some type of mass shooting type incident right here at Freedom Center Church, let's say. So this is something I did not know, but the question was posed, how long do we think it takes the police to respond to that type of crisis? And the answer in the state of Michigan, the average number is three minutes. That's they, a really long three minutes. That's a long three minutes. It's a long three, three minutes. Three? It's that good? Mm-hmm. 
But wow. but let's think about that though. Let's think that on the perspective. We're talking first officer on scene. First officer okay. on scene. So, well, you know how the rule goes from dispatch to first responder to get there. Well, yeah, six minutes is the national average. That's right. when you said three. I was like, wow. Right. Well, I thought so, so somebody's running anyway, up their tires. They're doing great. Yeah. But that's like Ashley said, long three minutes. And if you're in a tight, confined area, how many injuries and casualties would happen in that main auditorium in three minutes? Uh, well, depending on how prepared the person is, you could have in the hundred. Right. So, but, but kind of the the moral of the story here is, is do your best to stay out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. But then when things start happening, the police are going to get there and they start clearing the room. You need to walk with your palms open and facing them. Follow all their commands. You might be ordered down on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You may even be cuffed. That's right. They're just they're just <laughs> men and women trying to do their job. Right. And for all of us that are, that, you know, that are that carry and stuff like that, don't have your weapon out. Because listen, understand those officers have been called to a church for a someone with a gun. So mm-hmm. if you're walking at them and you're a guy with a gun, even though you mean well, you probably are going I mean, to be end shot. of story. It could be. Mm-hmm. So put your weapon down. Follow their instructions. It's. I mean, I understand this is extreme. But right. we live in an extreme world now. Well, I think and being it, prepared is Even important. in the non-extreme, especially if a, you're interacting with a police officer in an emergency scene, if the police officer gives you a, a directive and you disagree, I would say to you that unless it poses an immediate life and death safety threat to you or somebody you're responsible for, do exactly what you're told. Right. And after the fact, say, hey, I really had a problem with this. And you'll probably find the police officer will engage you in a pleasant conversation. Yeah. Right. But in the in, when they're first arriving and having things established, you know, trying to establish the scene, figure out what resources they need, who might be threats, who who might need assistance. There's not room for conversation about what you think about their their communication method. Right. They're going to take control of that scene, and the second you offer resistance, you've you've essentially told them, "I'm going to resist you. I'm a threat to you." Right. Right. And they're going to do what is necessary to make you not a threat until everything else is resolved. Right. And, you know, the more you resist that, the more you might find yourself needing an attorney. Right. So just comply and you're going to find that they're there to help you. Exactly. So kind of to wrap this up, just understand that that we'll have instructions and it's, you know, do your best to stay calm. Mm -hmm. But please, please hear this. We're human too. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been given a task that you're expecting our very best. But understand that we're human. We get nervous. Our emotions get all jacked out of whack. Mm-hmm. And we're just there to provide a service the best we can. Well, I think a couple things that might be useful for people to um, they give them a task to focus on. Right. Is if you've called an ambulance or a fire truck or whatever to your home, you know, start assigning tasks to people that are there to aid us in finding the address. You know, have somebody go stand out at the street corner and, and, and flag us down. Cool. Um, if there's something that you think is important, you know, have somebody come out and say, hey, they're unconscious now or whatever the, the change might be from right. when you're originally called. Because um, those things help us help you in a more efficient manner. Right. So I remember once you said too, like keep those list of medications available too. Oh, so that when they get there, cause you might not be able to recall the names of mm-hmm. them or how much the dosage is and how often, Very if you true. can have a cheat sheet ready right. available just in case. That's and it, really it gives a ton of tremendously good information with that. Yeah. Because 
you might be on a medication and your whole medical emergency is a side effect. And if I know that, I'm going to treat it very differently than if I think you're having uh, a, a new onset of a problem. So. Cool. Cool. Right on. Well, that's that. I hope that is helpful. Uh, as always, you can find us on FCC, The Lighthouse Experiment, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we have a Facebook community page. And, and in case anybody needs clarification, the number to 911 is 911. Thanks, Jason. No problem. <laughs> Here to help. Cool. Always there. Hey, I've actually been asked for business cards for the number to 911 in case they ever need to call. Dude, I'll tell you this. As we wrap this up and the music's coming up, they once told me to TX them at 911. And on the radio, TX, give us a phone call. (laughs) And I was like, uh, really? What? Uh Uh-huh. But they do have a business line, too. Y'all don't need to know that, though. Just call 911. Okay. (laughs) See you next time.